Hi, everyone. This is Jan Kabili, your host for The Fix, the podcast that's all about Lightroom, Photoshop, and post-processing. Tonight, we're going to be talking about face recognition. Some people call it people recognition in Lightroom CC, a brand new, really powerful feature. And my special guest to show you how he uses face recognition is all the way from Galway, Ireland, Mr. Sean McCormick. Hi, Sean. Hi. Good to see you. And to see you finally, too, as well, in person. That's right. Sean and I have known each other online for a long time, and it's great to finally get to meet here on The Fix. You know, Sean is not only a terrific photographer, he has uh, he's an award-winning studio photographer as well as a natural light photographer, but he also is a very well-respected author of Lightroom books and articles. And I'm really excited to let those of you who don't know know that Sean has a brand new book out. It's called The Indispensable Guide to Lightroom CC. Is that right, Sean? Yep. Lots of hard work in that. It's good to have a book out again. And it's a much bigger book than I expected as well. Weighing in at nearly 500 pages on Lightroom and Lightroom editors and just even stuff, new stuff, obviously, like Lightroom Mobile. So I'm delighted to have done it. That's terrific. And who's the publisher? Uh, Rocky Nook. Rocky Nook. They're, they're publishing a lot of great books these days. They are. So before we get started talking with Sean about face recognition, I wanted to tell you all about an exciting new feature here on The Fix, and that's that we're going to be doing contests. And this is the very first contest, and the prize for this contest is a copy of Sean McCormick's new book, The Indispensable Guide to Lightroom CC. So here's how it's going to work. If you'll go to thisweekinphoto.com slash the fix and find this episode of The Fix, the episode with Sean McCormick, just put uh, just go to the comments at the bottom of the blog post for this show and upload one of your photos that you've processed in Lightroom or in Photoshop and add a line or two telling us how you processed it. And then we'll have a very special panel of guests looking at all the photos and choosing the one that we think does the best job. And when we'll let you know, and we'll let you know if you've won the prize, and if you have, you'll be entitled to collect a new copy of Sean's book. How cool is that? Now, this whole thing will take two weeks, so you want to be sure to get your photo in the comments as soon as possible. And a little caveat, when you do go down to the comments, you'll have to register with our commenting service. And when you post your photo there, it may not appear right immediately because there's a little bit of delay, uh, some kind of a spam filter on those posts. But don't worry, it will show up there. And then we'll all be able to see each other's process photographs as well. So be sure to comment on this episode of The Fix at thisweekinphoto.com, The Fix, to enter the contest to win Sean's new book. So, Sean, so nice to see you. Yep. Tell us a little bit about your book and what, what it's about. Well, it's, I've, it's a very general book. A lot of books now are updated books showing the new features and stuff. So this is actually everything from Lightroom from start to finish and pretty much almost everything I know about Lightroom in one book. And I've been using Lightroom since way, way, way back in 2006 when they had the original beta out on Mac, uh, January 2006, I believe it was. And so beta, I beta joined up is, today after. Wait a minute, for those people in America, what's a beta? <laughs> or a beta, if you prefer. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. And, uh, so, yeah, so basically started with there. Um, I wrote a, a book called Photoshop Lightroom Made Easy, or Photoshop Lightroom 2 Made Easy for uh, Photographers Institute Press, um, which is an English company. And uh, then I've written uh, essentially developments 
for Lightroom 4 and then updated it for Lightroom 5. And that was with Craft and Vision. Uh, I write regularly for Photoshop User Magazine. I have a column called Maximum Workflow in there where I discuss plugins, basically how to integrate plugins with Lightroom. And generally, it's a, a, a walkthrough of taking a photograph and processing it in various things, um, like Alien Skin Export, Tiffin DFX, for example, things like that. So that's where I'm at. Uh, I'm also writing for a magazine called Clarity Magazine, and that's all directly Lightroom related. So that's and where I'm also, at. You also run a blog where you have lots of great information on Lightroom. What's the blog? The blog's called lightroom-blog.com because Lightroom blog wasn't available. So uh, at the time I wrote for lightroom-news.com. So I figured the dash was cool enough to add. Great, great. So you've been writing about Lightroom for a long time. I have for a question a for you, which is when you talk to users about how they're using Lightroom, what are some of the sticking points, the things that people have questions about? Oh, catalogs. A lot of people don't understand how a catalog works. And when they import that, they don't understand where the images have gone. Uh, I think that is a little bit of a stumbling block at the beginning. But I think once it's been explained that people do understand it, but initially it's something that they do need to be told. It's it's not something that's natural to a lot of photographers. They just would like to go to the photographs and work at them where they are. But the benefit, of course, of having a catalogue and now with smart previews is that you don't even have to have your photos connected and you can still work on them. Which That's to me true. Is brilliant. So what's and what's the the easiest way for people to understand that? Do you use an analogy like to iTunes and playlists, or how how do you explain it? Uh, generally, just by actually showing. I'm I'm a visual learner, so I like to see how things are done, and so I just demonstrate that way. Sometimes I do explain that it's a bit like a word a word document, that it's the document file that Lightroom uses. But even at that, that can be a little hard because you can have so many Word documents, whereas in Lightroom, you're generally better off just using one catalog for your, your main images. That's true. You know what I do? And I think this works for a lot of people who, who are really not professionals, who are just picking up Lightroom, you know, as a, an interested, uh, maybe amateur photographer, is to give them the analogy of, of a library, where we used to have those giant card catalogs, and you had the card in the catalog, and that had all the information about the book. But, of course, the book is not in the catalog. The book is out on the yeah. shelves. And when I say that, and I actually show them pictures that I, I have some stock photos that I downloaded of a card catalog. And I had one woman come to me after a class and say, oh, my God, just seeing that photo made all the difference. Because now I, I have something to associate this complicated um, you know, this concept which, with, with, which is that photo you showed of the card catalog. So I think that does help people, you know, bring it down to a level of something else they're familiar with. Yeah, it is, it's, it is always about the analogy. It always has to be something that you have to give a reference for. I agree. And I think that's fantastic. And I'm absolutely stealing that. You may steal. <laughs> that's okay. I think I probably stole it from someone else too. I don't remember. I've been doing it for so long. But you the know, best ideas are ones that are shared. It is. It's true. Now, what else? What are some other uh, major stumbling blocks or major questions people have about Lightroom? Um, major questions that people have about Lightroom. It's, a lot of it is, why should I use Lightroom instead of using Photoshop? Good point. Uh, you know, and for that, and, I, and there's lots of people using Bridge and uh, using Photoshop with it. And this processing is exactly the same in Camera Raw as it is in Lightroom. And... So I say, well, and you're able to manage your files with Bridge and Photoshop, then you absolutely don't feel the need to have Lightroom. But if you're coming from a situation where a new, you're a newer photographer, I think that Lightroom is better because it teaches you how to look after your images and mind your images, and that keeps all your processing together. What interested me about Lightroom at the very beginning was the fact that 
I was using lots of programs to do different things. And Lightroom essentially had the promise of doing everything together. And now with Lightroom 6, with Photo Merge built in, it's really, really getting more and more that it is doing nearly everything that you would need to do without going to another program. Almost. I don't know. I think there still is a lot that you need to go to Photoshop for, particularly if you're not just a straight photographer. For example, if you are a designer who uses photographs in designs, you just have to go to Photoshop because you have to use layers. You need to make composites and you can't do it. So uh, there still is quite a need for Photoshop. But um, for the photographer, the studio photographer or just the, the hobbyist photographer, you think they can pretty much get away with Lightroom alone now? It's it's still good to have a pixel editor, and like for me, for retouching, the retouching has to be done in Photoshop because I just the different techniques that are used. I know frequency separation is going out of vogue with high end retouchers; they all are want dodging and burning. But the intricacy that is there, you can't get that from Lightroom because if you start doing lots of spots and lots of the actual metadata for the file becomes huge and then it just slows down so it becomes unwieldy and that's when you definitely need to have photoshop so that's when you're using the spot healing brush in lightroom that it slows things down is that what you're talking about if you do a lot of spots and if you are using lens corrections with that uh, it's basically mapping the spot from this so it's mapping from where it used to be and then it's mapping to a new spot on with the lens correction so it's mapping it to where it is now, but this is where it used to be on the raw. So it's all of this mapping that's going on that's very processor intensive. So when you do a lot of it, it, it just gets very, very slow. And then the metadata gets very, very big. So do you have advice about the spot healing? Is that something you might do at the end of your workflow in order to avoid slowing down? Or does it not matter when you do it in terms of speed? Um, if, if you were doing, if you're working on a photo where you have a lot of spots to do, I would leave lens correction turned off. Now you can turn it, you can actually apply it and then turn off the panel um, and then you can apply your spots from there. It's just that because of that mapping. So I would always just leave lens corrections off and then put them on at the end in that case. But again, you can put them on at the start to make sure that they've done what you wanted and then just turn off the actual panel itself without turning off your settings. Just remember to turn it on at the end. That's all. <laughs> So a lot of people probably don't know how to turn off a panel. You want to mention? Um, it's just a, a switch yeah. on the left-hand side of each panel header, and you just click that, and it turns off the panel. You mean the toggle switch, the little the gray toggle and switch. white? Yeah, the little switch at, on, on the panel header. Great. So, um, you know, the topic that we're going to talk about tonight is face recognition in Lightroom. What do you think of yeah. this feature? What do I think of this feature? This feature is a brand new feature. And it's funny because I was watching uh, one of your earlier podcasts where Peter was talking about face recognition and he points out that it's a new feature. So there's a lot of work still to happen with it. So that we're only seeing like the baby version of what it's going to be. Um, so I think that for what it does at the moment, it's perfect for people just looking to get faces in. But as a professional production tool, I, I still think there's work to be done on it. But for people who want shots of their family and things like that, it's great. Now, I shoot a load of nightclub photos as one of my jobs, and there is no way that I want people recognition running on those photos because there are just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, and I don't need to know who they are. I don't want Lightroom basically processing all of that stuff all of the time because it would just it takes a lot of work just in the CPU. But I'm sure there will be changes in it, and I'm very excited about it. It has saved me quite a bit of time. I have one big catalog, and I keep everything in there, both family photos and friend photos, as well as all the photos that I use in my courses and my books, um, because I just find it easier to manage things that way. And so 
for me, the people pictures are mostly people I know and that I want to know, you know, that I want to remember who they are. So I am, I'm a great, uh, use case for face recognition. And I'm really liking it because it means that uh, once I get everything set up correctly in the future, it's way faster to um, keep track of new photos of people, uh, friends and family than it has been in the past where I had to keyword all those photos manually. It is. And the more people that you put in, the better the recognition gets. And the more photos of a person that you tag, the more it knows what that person looks like. It's it's what it's it does learn that's pretty amazing i'm telling you pretty soon we're not gonna have to do anything we'll just they'll put our heads in a jar right and the, the machines the computers and will <laughs> do everything for us <laughs> they will. But, so, um, go you ahead. look at something like the new google photos where it's actually pulling stuff together based on recognition inside the photos and it can recognize faces without knowing who they are but it can say we that we think this is the same person and so yeah things that can that make our life easier as photographers are always, always to be desired. Yes, they are. And you know, about Google Photos, it does a really good job with my people photos. But I was thinking about it, and I'm guessing the reason is it has a smaller universe of people to deal with than Lightroom does originally, because Google Photos is just dealing with your Google, the people in your Google Photos, which is a small group of people. Small group. And the same with Facebook recognition. It's just looking in your friends. And so it's dragging names out of your friends. Yeah, so, yeah. Shall so we do would this? You, yeah, would you mind sharing your screen and showing us a little yeah. bit about how you use face recognition? Okay. So this is a shoot. Just It's a single catalog with a shoot from a band, and I'm going to show you some stuff with it, and then I'm going to bring in more photos and uh, just show you how new photos after we've done some face recognition. I have to say it's kind of funny now that I've been looking at you for so long that I feel funny now that I can't see you. <laughs> <All> <laughs> I'm right. still here. I can see you. <laughs> so... I have the catalog here open in front of me. So what I'm, I'm just going to jump in and start face recognition. And down here, we have the people uh, view. So if I click people view, we now come up and we get our options here. So you can read this yourself in your own time. But the two main things are down here are start finding faces in the, in the entire catalog. So this switches on face detection for your entire catalog. And Lightroom will then go through every photo in your catalog and try and find face regions or places that it thinks is a face. Now, this means that if you've got a huge catalog that you can go away for a couple of days and come back when it's done because it is very processor intensive and takes a lot of work. The Boy, other that, option, that's an issue right there. I can't oh, imagine yeah. not getting to Lightroom for a couple of days. I'd be in trouble. It's, it's, it, is, it does take a long time and it does take a lot of processing. This machine is a, a, not a fast machine, so I wouldn't like to be doing it on this machine. So I'm going to go only find faces as needed. Okay, and now that brings up the navigator and it brings you over to... Oh, sorry, up to the activity monitor. And we can see here that it says that it's gone to face detection. And uh, so that's it. Now it says it's paused, okay? But it's obviously running through because we are in uh, a folder at the moment, or we're actually in previous import. But once we're inside a source, it will then start to work inside that source. And um, so, okay, I so, so I got I got to stop you a minute because I think, yeah. you know, you and I know what a source is. Maybe some other people don't. A source yeah, could no. be a folder, a collection, collection. all your photos. Yeah, I was actually going to expand on that, but oh, please do. it's good that you bumped in anyway. And um, just that anywhere in Lightroom that has a collection of photos, um, like even if you're in a collection set, it will look at the collections within that and will start to work on that as well. So as you can see here, it's actually going through and uh, there's only four people in these photos, but it's bringing them together to say that it thinks these people are, are this person. So it's new, we've now got 12 and we, the, we can actually see how many has gone through there. And if we actually click on the actual 
module picker. Uh, it normally says detecting number of uh, faces, but it's not saying there how many images are left. I was expecting it to say that because it, um, oh yeah, looking for more people. So it's going to go. And when you're in people view, you basically have two different types of views. You have unnamed people and named people generally. So uh, obviously people are unnamed. So I'm actually going to start naming as it's doing, and I'm going to add to it as well. So we're going to start off here. Before you do, can I ask you another question? This issue yep. of number of people it's looking. See over on the right where it says looking for more people, and then it has a number yep. that keeps getting larger and larger. What does that refer to? That's It's going through the uh, the actual images, and it's finding these are the face regions that it's found so far in the images, or places that it thinks there's a face. I see, and that's why the number over on the right where it says looking for more people is larger yep. than the entire number of photographs that yes. you have in this catalog. I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, because there's four people in each of the images, and so there's going to be 67 multiplied by four, which I'm not going to do in my head, despite having a last degree. Got it. <laughs> yeah. So, so I put in put in the name. So now we can see that we now have that face is now going to show up in named people. But it's also going to go through, and if it thinks that someone else is Simon McDonough, so it comes down here and says we think this is Simon. So you have two options there. You can say no, or you can just tick the box. And that'll say those are Simon. And so that's now added up here to the images of Simon. Uh, so like I say, the machine isn't, you can see the actual speed that it's going through in the processing. So as you can see, it's not the fastest. So if you have a huge catalog, it does take a little bit of time for that to happen. So the next person I'm going to do is actually Dan over here, who's the drummer. Now, if you look over here in keywords, I actually have Dan Nestor as a keyword already. Okay. So and keywords what, themselves and here. It's a keyword already because in the past you've just used a regular just a regular a regular ordinary keyword it's not a people keyword it's just a keyword that you would have put on the whole photo uh, i'm not saying that the, like uh, put the actual faces in it but in this case if you if you double click it we can now actually edit the keyword tag and down here at the bottom is we have the option to have it as a, a person so we can turn it from a normal keyword into a person keyword and now that does not apply the keyword to the photograph uh, to the face region in the photograph, it just allows it to go into the list of people's names. So when I start to type a name, it will suggest that as one of the names. Now, there are other keyword tag options, which are the normal ones, which are include on export, which is basically makes a public keyword. If you turn that off, it becomes a private keyword. Uh, so that way the, the name won't export with the photo if you want that. So I'm just gonna click on it to turn it into a person keyword. I have a question for you. Yeah. Why would you not want the person keyword to be included when you export a copy of a photo? But sometimes you just don't want people to know the name of the person that's in the photo. Just an example would be um, I, that I don't want, say, pictures of my son. I don't want his name publicly, publicly tied to them so that he's searchable. That's a great example. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't mind people knowing that who my son is and what my son looks like. But, uh, there's so much happening in the world of privacy at the moment. Like here in Ireland, there's a schools database and everything is tied to their, uh, to their tax number. And that's searchable until they're 30. So all, there's too much to tie information together. And I think that kids have a right to their privacy the same as any adult does. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. You know what I do about this? I actually always leave this checked, but then I use a plugin by Jeffrey Friedel called uh, Metadata Wrangler that allows Wrangler. you to say on every photo that I export, just 
keep all the keywords off it because keywords yeah. are really for me internally to organize in Lightroom. And unless you're exporting for use for a stock photo agency, for example, you know, I'm hardly ever going to need those keywords on my exported photos. So I do it that way. That's very, that's a great way to do it. Yep. Uh, and, and it's a great plugin by a great plugin writer who has tons and tons of very, very useful plugins. Yeah, that's Jeffrey Friedel, F-R-I-E-D-L, I believe. Yeah. And it's regex.info slash blog is uh, the address, R-E-G-E-X dot I-N-F-O. Uh, and you'll find the Lightroom stuff there. And it's, I think the actual title is Lightroom dash goodies on there. So there's loads of stuff there. It's very, very good. Anyway, so I'm just going to turn Dan into a, a person keyword by clicking save. So he's now a, a keyword. So I'm going to go down to where Dan is. So we have 59 that he thinks it's Dan. So as you see, if I start to type in Dan, we see now that's now suggesting Dan Nestor as a name because of the fact that I've converted that normal keyword to a person keyword. So I'll press return and that will then, if we go to named people again, we can see we now have the extra name there as well. So now it's all of these ones that it thinks it's Simon. So if I just, uh, I'm just command clicking or control clicking on PC. So now I'm just gonna go that. And I think if I click this one, it should do all of them. That's it. It, it did. It, 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 I think what it is, is if there's a question mark on one of them and there's, um, and then another one has a name, if you do the two of them together, it, it'll accept the one with the name, but not the one with no name. Um, so uh, it's just because generally I do it for it. It's, I'm suggesting that like the names are the fine names. So I'm just going to see what it says is right. Thinks as people. So the next one we have here is Lisa. I'm just going to do these really, really quickly. Uh, so while you're doing that, I just want to say, you know, there's some people who aren't watching, they're just listening. So yeah. what's going on here? <laughs> Tell me if I'm saying this correctly, is that yeah. after after Lightroom indexed all the people in Sean's source, uh, it just put them all up on the screen as unnamed people. And he's now going through the process of naming those people, which shifts them to a, a new section of people view called named people. And along the way, Lightroom is helping him along by making suggestions, um, depending on what it's already learned from what he's done. Is that correct? Correct. That's exactly it. And then finally, last bit, and you know, I think a lot of people don't know this. You and I take it for granted. The whole upshot of all of this is that this process creates keywords in the keyword list that you can use then um, as you're in the in the future. Do you want to expand on that or well, I think you've you've absolutely nailed it there that the keywords are in. But the other thing is that the more you apply the keyword, the more it recognizes uh, that person. And as it goes time, time goes on, we can see that I've added names. As I've added names here, it's gone further down the list and added the suggested names to more photos that were originally had question marks on them to say that they didn't know who they were. Yes, it did. Fuzz Riley. I want to meet Fuzz. Fuzz is a guitar player. He's he's <laughs> he's good fun. And so here we have some shots that it doesn't recognize. And you'll see the reason is that the face is ang angled downwards. Yeah. Um, so that's the re reason why it's not seeing stuff there. So again, just start to type in the name and it will suggest them. Now, it can only suggest the names it has. So the more people you have in, the better it gets. It, it really does learn as it goes. So now we can see here by looking, I have 67 photos that I know have 67 copies of each person, but yet we don't have all of their names. Like there's only 59 here of Lisa, so there's eight images missing. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to jump back here for a second into loop view. And actually, I'm going to go to grid first so I can go back to the first image. If you know a shortcut for getting back to the start of grid from loop, that would be amazing. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, so again, I'm just going to go to loop view here. And 
now in loop view, if we look down the bottom here, we can see that we have this little face region, which wasn't there before we turned on faces. And we now have the four names. So I'm actually able to see the four names. So I'm actually going to do a little trick here. Okay. So I'm going to create a new smart collection. Uh, and the reason for this is I'm going to just see if I can find all of the photos that have all of the names in it and then look for the photos that don't have all the names in it. Oh, so good idea. Go. What a cool yeah. idea. So I'm going to go contains. And the way I, if you put them in commas inside this, it will search for all of the images that have it in it and it won't find it. So you do need to set up each keyword separately. And I hope I spell them exactly. I'm selecting keywords from other metadata. I don't know if this is, uh, uh, if it needs caps. I actually don't know if it searches by caps or not, but I will use them anyway. Simon McDonough. So, uh, so for, the, for those of you who can't see this, what, what Sean is doing is making a smart collection, which is a kind of a collection that automatically gathers photos that meet all the criteria that you list in the smart collection as you're yes. setting it up. And so I set it up so that I have keywords contains Dan Nestor, and then I've clicked plus, and then keywords contains Fuzz Riley, keywords contains Lisa McCann, and Lisa contains Simon McDonough. So I've done the four keywords for the names separately. So that way the, the, the rule is set to match all. So that means that all of those names have to be in the photo uh, for them to show up in the smart collection. So I'm going to click create. And so we can see that there's 58 images that have all of the names in it. So if I go to the grid for a second and I select all, and then I go back to the folder with them still selected, I can now come up here to edit and invert selection. So it now has those uh, images basically. If I open up the film strip, it should tell me that we have nine selected. And I'm just going to go new collection very quickly. And I'm just going to call it temp because I want to delete it. It's just that I have all of the images that don't have enough names on it together, so I'm not searching for them. So I just go into the first image, uh, and we can see it only has two of the names in there, so which is Dan and Fuzz, so it's missing Simon. So now I can click on this square, and I can, I can start to draw the faces on here, and I can start to type in the names. So you're able to draw the face region as well when it hasn't been detected. Oh, don't put in Simon's name, Elisa, that would be bad. All right, so there's, oh, zooming in. Let's not zoom in. So so these, and these little things you draw on called face regions, are yep. they where Lightroom is recognizing or you are telling Lightroom that this is a face as opposed to some Lightroom. other part of the body or a yep. whole this, person? Yeah, it's, it's Lightroom, if we look closely here at the ones that it did detect, we can see that it's just on the face only. So here we're just telling that Lightroom is that this is a face. Now, where the face detection generally fails is in the situation where somebody's turned off to the side, um, so it's not able to see a full face, so it doesn't have two full eyes and a full mouth. So it has problems with that. So when you tell it, it starts to learn from that. Now, if you were to tag with, say, the back of a head, it would ignore that. It knows that it's not a face and that you're just tagging it uh, so that you have a memory of who it is, basically. But you can if you wish. Oh, you can if you wish. Yeah. I mean, I could tag the boot here as a name if I wanted, um, but Lightroom is not going to then find every boot and say, we think the boot is called your boot, you know, for example. Yes. So this, you can see that Fuzz here turned completely sideways. So it doesn't know that that's going to be a face. Um, so we jump on, so it's only seen two of them. And I say some of what's going on here is because of the lighting as well. So. 
and then the hat is hiding it. I that was me pressing return afterwards. And thinking and talking is not two things I do very I well. I know it's time. really hard to do. Typing. Yeah. So I'm going. I'm going to skip these for a second because I think we can see what's going on with that. But I'm just going to look through and see if it's found any wrong places because when I did this the first time with this, it actually found pieces of the uh, the grating here that I thought was a face. And sometimes it will do that. And so if you find a face that's uh, not a face, you just delete the, the region. So if I was to draw one here, for example, you can see that there's a little, I just, we now have a question mark, there's a little X in it. If we click on that X, it will delete the face region. You know, now, I think I think it's always surprising. People tend to glom onto the fact like, oh my gosh, it found a baseball and thought it was a face. But my gosh, I mean, if you think about the the complicated math that's beneath this, I mean, I think that's to be expected. And that Lightroom does an exceedingly good job of not finding too many of those false negatives. So yeah. you have to cut it a little light, a little leeway. Yeah, you know, one. It does. And like, I mean, even us as photographers, when we're out, we regularly looks like it has a face in it or a rock that looks like it's a face so um i mean it can see bus wheels as faces because of the eyelets for the for the nuts and things like that depending on where you are but it, it does a pretty pretty good job now there are things like the, the rim of the hat is spoiling it here so it's not seeing it properly um, and what i'm going to do though is i'm actually going to bring in more images because once you have uh, face recognition turned on and um, it will actually apply the face recognition as part of import. So you're kind of getting a free ride because it's making the preview, it look for the face images as well. So I'm actually going to import some files. Now, does that slow down the import in your experience? Um, for me, when I'm importing, I generally have, I deliberately hit, there's a setting that you can turn off uh, the import from jumping to previous import and you can just work away. So I just let it go on in the background. So I don't even pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. Now, file. Import photos and video. I could have just cheated and dragged it on. Now I'm going to have to do Oh, no, I don't have to. That's great. Oh, no, it's not there. Uh, yes, I'm going to have to go look for it now. Uh, now to remember where it is, it's buried in Dropbox. Dropbox. Clients. Lots of client lists in there. So I know that this is a high res, these two are high res folders. So I'm just going to bring them in via add. So it'll come in very quickly. And now we've jumped. Now, I obviously, that setting I was talking about, I don't have on this. So now let it happen. And in theory, it's supposed to have gone through them and done that. But it hasn't. So maybe it only does it if you. Uh, maybe it's because it, I don't. I know why it is because we have that unpaused. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. So if I come up here and I click that to make it go on, it will now index those photos. Yeah. It's because I think when I was actually running through this particular catalog earlier, I actually hit the top button in our options when we went to people view first, which will, it does everything as it comes in. But now because we selected the second one this time, it's, it's just doing each source as you select it to be on. Exactly, exactly. So if you've done that, if at the beginning of this whole thing, you told it to just index uh, selected sources rather than every single photo, you can always change your mind about that. And where you go to change your mind about that is back up to the activity center, correct? The activity center, yeah. Okay, got it. I keep saying activity monitor because of the activity monitor in Mac. <laughs> and so the face detection is there and has, and has run. So let's see if it's got, found any faces. I'm going to do that. 
people named people. So now here's an interesting thing. It's found the faces that are in here, but it's also found a face on a T-shirt. So if we double click that, it'll actually take you to the image and we can see here that it's on the T-shirt. So it's found the face on the T-shirt, but it hasn't found the actual real face above it. <laughs> so, so that's, and that's because the head is off at an angle. So in this case, I'm gonna get rid of that one and draw a new one. Could you just move it around if you wanted? Move if the you little face move around. But the reason why I don't want to move it around is just in case it thinks that what it had found before is tied to the original image. It's just ah. because of the fact that this is new, there are things that, you know, yes, I still have to find out. I, I have, when I did this, I've done this a couple of times um, where I have just assigned, I just, I've just moved it and assigned a name and it's been fine. But then you have that niggling feeling, does it actually add to that or not? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so instead I've just drawn the face region for that reason. So now it ha it's not really recognizing photos as well because Fuzz now has a beard in these photos where they didn't in the original one. And this is the original version of the band where they didn't have the extra guitar player. So now Fuzz really is fuzzy. <laughs> so now Fuzz is a fuzzy fuzz. <laughs> so <laughs> I can delete that and draw a new face region. Um, so that didn't draw properly. There we go. And you can see here it's also, we that had the question mark but you can also do the uh, you can agree that that's correct from there as well you don't have to you don't have to be in unnamed people to to tell something that's correct right i see that there are checkboxes here in the oh, yeah. in the loop view is what you're saying it, yeah yeah the checkboxes are in the loop view as well as in unnamed people now i think we've got one unnamed person here and that's dan and that's right and then the hair because it's gotten used to the hat i think now so and the hair, and then faces that are off to the side, it has problems with that as well because that's a new uh, version of the face. We know what people look like when they turn around, but Lightroom has to learn what people look like from different angles. So and now look over in your keyword list. You have all a keyword for everybody with yeah. lots and lots of, uh, of photos to which each keyword has been applied. Right, yeah. And the same as any other keyword, if you come over here, there'll be an arrow. If you click on that arrow, it will go and show a collection of those photos, a virtual collection of those photos uh, with those with the keyword applied. And that really is the whole point. I think sometimes that is the, whole the point. point of it gets lost because there's so many little details of how to do it, which is now you got these keywords. And if you want to find all the pictures of Dan Nestor or Fuzz Riley or my daughter, or whoever, in the future, yeah. it's so easy to do. I'm going to, because we've seen enough of that, I'm actually going to jump out and do something with that for a second. We're going to go into these named people. Actually, here's, so I'm just going to say, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. And we can see here that I'm just going to click this here and that'll say that's not a face region or that's not that person. And fuzz. But there is one other thing that you can, you can do as well. And you've given all these names. Now, when we did this earlier, we, we told it that there was a whole, whole series of names or definitely the thing about it is if you 50 names and you just say, or like the 50 stack, and um, what if it accidentally did the wrong person that just happened to look similar, like twin brothers, for example, or something. Now, apparently people have twins that it's able to tell, <laughs> which is, I think it's, I think it's brilliant because there's lots of twins in the club where I shoot. There's a, a, twi a set of twins that come in all the time and I, I've known them for ages. I could not tell you which of them is which. <sighs> even though I do have friends that are twins that I know apart. So now what you can do is by double click on the stack, you can come in and you can actually look down through the stack and you can check that in actual fact, it is the same person. Um, so, and then that, that now says confirm, so we can go back. And if you wanted, 
Uh, you can go into the photo and delete or remove the name from it as well then if you wanted. And but how would you get, can you just double click one of those photos from confirmed and it will take you, you to loop view? It, it will take you to loop view, yeah. Yeah. So in this case, you could either change the name here or you could delete the face region if you wanted. Now, if you delete the face region there in a photo, there is no way to force Lightroom to find that face region again. Um, you would have to draw it, basically. So, uh -huh. but, but it's not to be all and end all, because like I say, you can draw it and you've seen us drawing it. So here's here's the thing. You've showed us so many um, little ins and outs and tips and tweaks and things, but you know, a lot of it is really intuitive when you're working through your own photos. Yeah. You don't have to memorize everything that you've told us. Just start to do it, and, and you'll see how yeah. it goes. It's, it's very logical. It is very, very logical. Uh, and once you understand the concept of what the face region is, I think it all makes sense from there. That it's literally just looking to apply a keyword to a small part of the image rather than have it applied to the whole image. That's right. And the great thing is – yeah, go on. I was going to say, you've done such a good job of explaining it. I really appreciate it. But you had another point to make. Um, and now I can't remember what my other point is. <laughs> it but, must have been not important then. <laughs> well, do you have anything else you wanted to show us about this? Um, offhand now, I think I pretty much covered everything. It was just um, when I went through these photos the first time, it, it did find bits of the fence that I thought were people and things like that. But this is a fresh catalogue, so I thought it was going to do the same thing, but it hasn't. But it's done. It's, I think it's shown it really, really well what it does. Um, so the, the idea is that you just have loads of empty people. And I've, I've said it already, but just to emphasize that the more names you put in and the, the more you put in of particular people, the more it becomes aware of those people and is able to find them better. It's something that the more you do of it, the better it gets. And that is what's great about it. The other thing is the way it's designed is that if they need to change the internal engine, the metadata that uh, they have are creating is uh, industry standard kind of stuff. Now, it's not compatible with everything that does face recognition, uh, but as everything moves towards a standard, it will be doing. So when you export it, uh, the face is in the metadata, then other programs will be able to read where that face metadata is and what the face name is. So, Is that true even, if, but not if you uncheck that, uh, you know, that option for yeah, exporting? Yeah. Yeah, if, then then the information is hidden. But it's still in there. But it it well, it's still in your file. But uh, it's uh, it, as in on on it's still there in Lightroom. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Very good, very good. Thank you. That's a hard demo to do. I've tried it, and they're just you never know how it's going to come out. Each time is different, and you have to deal with it, right? <laughs> yeah, because it has performed differently than it did the first time. So. But that's 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 the joys of live demoing. Um, I've had demos where the demos failed completely because the computer is just completely locked up and you had to reboot the computer. But yeah, everything went relatively smoothly there. But I love it when we do the live demos because, first of all, it is more like real life, and also right. you and I get to talk about the little things that we've experienced as you go. So I hope that that was helpful for people. I'm I'm pretty sure that it was. I did have one question for you. You had yep. that great technique of making a smart collection um, to try to figure out who had been correctly identified the first go-round. Yeah. Now, I'm guessing that's only going to work in a situation like yours where you knew exactly how many people there were in the photos. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Although, it, if you're shooting, let's say you were shooting a group and it's just, you could just put it in to see if you were trying to find someone in particular from a group um, so that you know somebody's supposed to be in photos. And you just, if you find the photos that they're not in, you can go and then try and tag those photos to see what they're in. 
oh, that's a good idea. Or even someone you shoot a lot, like the example of my daughter being, you know, shooting her over 20 years, maybe I should have a smart collection for her keyword. And then I could quickly see if there were some false positives or if they all weren't in there. Yep. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Sean. It's really been a treat um, to talk to you. I'm so glad we got to meet face to face. Awesome. Yeah, it is. And oh, um, I wanted to ask you one more thing. You know, I, all lately, I've been seeing so many people in the UK who are Photoshop experts, who are writing books, who are on podcasts. Is there some kind of renaissance going on over there with regard to Lightroom? A lot of people use it. Don't know. I've been doing what I've been doing for a long time. I'm not trying to be famous. I just do what I do. And that's it. You know, I, I'm I'm a photographer. I, I happen to love Lightroom. I happen to love talking about Lightroom. And so therefore I teach Lightroom. And, but I am a photographer. And so I've always been working as a photographer. And that Lightroom thing is just something that's part of that. Uh, and so my explanations of all stuff is just coming from the fact that I do the photography. Uh, but I think there's people like Glenn Dewis who are doing a lot of Photoshop. Glenn is fantastic. Um, uh, in actual fact, it was uh, Glenn's uh, buddy, Dave Clayton, that got me in touch with Aki Nook. And that's where the book came from, um, which was great. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> uh, so on. Uh, oh, that's I, uh, great. And I'm glad I'm very happy to introduce you to people who may not have met you before. Th- uh, yeah. This is somebody that I've relied on for a long time uh, when I have Lightroom questions, and I know a lot. So, but it, believe me, he knows every little nook and cranny, and that's Sean McCormick, McCormick. And we're so lucky to have him with us today here on The Fix. So thank you, everyone, who's joined us for this episode of The Fix. I want to remind you to enter our contest to win a copy of Sean's new book, which is The Indispensable Guide to Lightroom CC. And again, the way you're going to join that contrast that contest is to go to thisweekinphoto.com slash the fix, find the Sean McCormick episode, and get yourself set up to write comments on the episode, and then upload one or more photos that you've processed in Lightroom or in Photoshop, and tell us a sentence or two about how you process them. And then we'll let you know by responding to your comment whether you're the winner. So thanks again, Sean, and I hope to see you again here on The Fix soon. Yeah, no problem. Anytime you want. All right, then. Bye-bye.